Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, adventurers, and on today's podcast, I have Dr. Patrick Porter. He is an award-winning author, speaker, and founder of BrainTap, the leader in technology-enhanced meditation. Dr. Porter pioneered the use of brainwave entertainment to improve clarity, sleep, and energy, and remains at the forefront of the scientific research. I'm excited to talk to him about all things brain, neuroscientists, and the and beyond. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Dr. Porter. Hello, Dylan. Great to be here. Hey, I'm excited to have you. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate you being here. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm uh, super fascinated with the way the brain works and how we can kind of like tweak on our own mind. It feels like the cheat codes for living life, you know, being able to, you know, work on your own source code. So, um, I, you know, I'd love to talk with you just a little bit about like what got you into the whole genesis of like, you know, brain help, brain function, uh, optimization and that, like, what was, what was the, what was the genesis to get you started on this hero's journey? Well, it started, I actually went through my midlife crisis at 12 years old, if you can believe that. My dad, my dad was a chronic <laughs> alcoholic and he, and, and he got help with something called the Silva method. Some people out there mm. might know that it's a meditation process. And he began to train people in, in Michigan. He was the, um, leader, the trainer, the whatever you'd call it for the seminars. And we'd go out and help him do those. And so we started using, now you'd call it isochronic tones. They were playing it in the room and people would go to alpha. So it was a training mm. process. And I used it for school and sports. And I just, I went to school for electronics, but I kept helping him out with the seminars and finally got to the point where I think I'm going to do this psychology thing instead of the electronics thing. So I kind of married the two in what I do now. But uh, I went to my undergraduates in electronics and then I went to school for psychology. Mm. Have you seen that be able to really help you using technology and electronics to really enhance the spreading and the understanding of the way the, the brain uh, interrelates with the, the human? Is that is that? Oh, yeah. You... Oh, yeah. Yeah, back yeah. in the 70s when we first started, I mean, we were looked at like we had a third eye, not not like a not in a good way, but you know, yeah. like we were aliens. Um, yeah. Because I would be sitting in the middle of the field, like in track, I was undefeated. So my coach was my coach was all worried because I was doing supplements before they were popular, and you know, doing Charles Atlas courses, trying to get big and strong, and um, so I was doing biohacking before biohacking was popular. But I would I taught all the people in my mile relay team to uh -huh. meditate before we'd start and we were undefeated. I mean, <laughs> we did, I mean, we, we crushed it and it was all because we were all visualizing, you know, we wanted mm -hmm. that outcome. And really that's the hack. I mean, if yeah. you can get your subconscious to picture what you want, it'll figure out how to get you there. And that's the first step. And the next is the physiological effect. Most people don't want to spend the time learning. We use GSR machines for those people. It's galvanic skin response. You can still buy these on Amazon for like $125. You put your fingers on them and they give you a pulse. So you set it for 10 hertz and it'll beep until you get there. When you're at that frequency, it stops. So these are biofeedback mm -hmm. trainers. Now we have neurofeedback. So now we can actually we can actually verify it with science more than we could before. Before it was like, yeah, I feel really good. And the, the little GSR meter went off. So, so I guess I'm there. But now we can use EEG and we use devices like the Wabi or even the Muse, which some people, um, that device is pretty powerful for a $200 you know, EEG reader. Yeah, yeah. And the Muse has got a really cool, there is the main app. And then there's a guy who made like the side app on the, on the thing. And you could actually just get the value sets coming in in real time yeah. streaming. 
and and it's it's really interesting stuff. I don't I don't fully understand the data while looking at it myself, but just seeing that the seeing that it, there is a direct response and you can see patterns uh, when you can get into different moods or mindsets. It's it's fascinating to do it. It's just it, currently I think we're at that spot where we still we need that. Uh, subject matter expert to be able to interpret it, translate it, and and say that the yes, this is the data you're getting back, but you should probably you know what what whatever that might be, meditate for five minutes more, or do sit ups, or whatever that the data is. And so, um, what what would be your recommendation to people that are that are using these biofeedback devices that kind of have an overwhelming sense of data, like and and they want to take action on it? What's your recommendations for them? Well, one thing is to regulate your breathing first and figure mm -hmm. out if you breathe in, you're going to trigger the, the sympathetic system, which is the, what I call the survivor brain. And then when you breathe out, you're going to turn on that parasympathetic or that thriving brain. So breathe out twice as long and then watch the meter. Like you can, you can fake out HRV or all these gadgets, but you can't fake out what's called the P300 score. That's like the, the deep the cortical response that happens like through Wabi. So that's the one we do for our scientific experiments. But for the end user, if you can manipulate them or you can train your brain to do those, there's a sense of empowerment. For instance, if you're in too high a beta, which is, we call it the reactionary mind, that's where mm -hmm. you might have a lot of fear, frustration. We know that cortisol is high then. So your driving behavior, emotion drives behavior. So that brainwave actually triggers the uh, the stress response, let's say. And it's also, most of our addictions are dopamine responses. That only happens in the beta brainwave. So if you can kind of step outside of the beta for a moment and get into that alpha state, alpha is really powerful. We call it the intuitive state or the, that's where you have that. You also produce acetylcholine there. So your brain is instructing your gut to make those. And you can do that just by simple breathing techniques. And then you drop them down a little bit lower into theta, which is almost impossible to do. I mean, we've only had a few people, I'm kind of fortunate to go to India quite often when, when it was open to do that. And we got to measure gurus and all sorts of things with our devices. And of course, they can go there, hang out there, have a conversation and <laughs> be in these deep states where most people in America can't even get to alpha. And mm. then you, you drop down into delta. Now we're finding there's another brainwave, like for those, uh, people that are high achievers or high performers, they call it the flow state, then mm. we trigger a state called gamma. And we've actually done some experiments in Dallas with uh, Dr. Rosenthal, who's doing some things with PTSD with uh, psilocybin. And mm. we've been able to mirror the effects of psilocybin with just light, sound and vibration. People have, were having journeys without taking the, the mushrooms. And because we were, we were triggering that uh, kind of frequency response that happens in the brain, because we have, these receptors, like we have cannabinoid receptors, we have opioid mm -hmm. receptors. Uh, the only reason that we have those experiences is because our brain can create those experiences. So we're, if you, for lack of a better word, we're hacking the brain to get those states without actually having to take the substance, just using frequency. It's super fascinating. Um, there's a couple of things I have there with that. One being is that you're actually so you're actually using light and vibrations to trigger flow states. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And and the lights, is it, is it just lights on the eyes, some sort of, some sort of patterns or things like that, that they actually experience to the eyes. And like in terms of vibrations, is it vibrations on the entire body or is it in a certain spot of the body or what's well, the, every, yeah, every cell of our body has what is called chromoforms. These mm -hmm. are kind of think of them like batteries that hold a charge And 
sound like if you ever been to a party and maybe you didn't really want to go there but they started playing music you liked from your high school days and all mm. of a sudden you're tapping your foot you're singing you're because your brain is always converting sound light and vibration to energy atp in the body so what we're doing is we're going to use sound specific frequencies of sound but the vibration actually comes from the light like the ears we have ear lights and when you put the headphones on we have a light pulse and it pulses at let's say 187 times a second, that matches the noje frequency to turn off the, sympath the sympathetic overload and turn on your parasympathetic. And it does it without your conscious awareness. It just, hmm. this is what happens when we're sitting beside the ocean, let's say, when we're just sitting there listening to the waves and we start to zone out. That's mm -hmm. because the ocean has a resonating frequency of 10 Hertz. It's the same as alpha. Um, and you, we do the same thing with a candle. Like you might've heard of what's called a Jyoti meditation. That's where the, when they set in, they do a breathing exercise where you breathe out, you try to make the candle just kind of flicker, but you're looking at the candle, that candle flickers at 10 Hertz frequency. So you're actually using, I like to tell people what we're doing is we're taking ancient tech, ancient traditions and we're making modern technology. So they were doing it before, but it took a candle. We can do it very specifically with LEDs because we can, we can change the duration and time of that light pulse. And that becomes a, a response. So it's almost like Morse code, but the, the cells are receiving that information, not just the brain. And so we're learning in that way. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting. And so it's almost like uh, these states of consciousness, all of them, it's it's a it's a two way street. Physiology affects psychology. Psychology mm -hmm. affects physiology. And what you're what you're doing is you're basically tricking the body and say, okay, if you were say say happy, then this it's is the way the world would appear to you. This is what right. things would sound like. This is what they'd look like. This would feel like. This would be the senses and the things that you'd perceive in the way back. So what you're doing is you're priming the environment to basically allow them to slip into an easier state of flow or alpha that, that allows them to then enter that state more frictionlessly and then be able to be able to then create those neural pathways that allow them to slip back into those patterns. Is that kind of an accurate description of, yeah. of what the the purpose of the stuff is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's going to train the brain so that we're we're doing what's called you stress. That's a healthy stress or a happy stress, but it's still stressful to the brain because we're we're giving it light, sound, and vibration all at the same time. So they're getting overloaded, but the brain likes it because the brain loves patterns. And then what happens is once we open up those neural pathways and keep the brain active, because usually what happens under stress, just as an example, let's say you're watching a scary movie. Most people in the scary part, they close their eyes and they go, it's just a movie, right? They're disassociating from that. But one side of your brain, literally, if we had somebody hooked up to a, an EEG reader and they were doing that, they would see their brain, their frontal lobe would actually shut down because mm -hmm. they don't want the exact, they want to forget what they just saw. They want to pretend it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so, so many people, when they meditate even, because we're, we're hardwired, we close our eyes, the frontal lobe shuts down, they fall asleep. Meditation isn't sleeping. It's like an awakened, you have an awakened mind, right? And so if we can train the brain to stay awake during meditation, you actually get these experiences like people usually have to take uh, an external substance, whether it be a plant-based medicine or, you know, you can get it from... Um, Lots of different sources. I'm, <laughs> so. I'm, I'm very familiar. Yes, <laughs> I've I've spoken about this on a number of of, of podcasts. Uh, my experience of testing different types of plant medicines and theogens and and cross referencing them with like biofeedback devices to kind of see what the output are. It's 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 very interesting thing. I had a I had an experience where I was um, in the jungles of Peru 
couple of years ago and I went through five ceremonies of plant medicine with ayahuasca and I had the uh, aura ring on as I was going through that. And I had these weird numbers that came back and one of them, it looked like it did like five and a half hours of REM straight. I don't understand it, but it was just like up over and across. And it was just, I've, I've noticed that when I'm in sleep and I was like, how, what is that about? So, but again, it's, 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 uh, it's your, 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 your you lucid dreaming. So you would have those visions like they talk about with, I, I've not done that yet. I'm, yeah. I'm still looking forward to that journey. I would love to do it. And, um, yeah. so I, I think that there's now it's becoming more normal. You know what I mean? It's not so weird. Like, I mean, there's a place in Florida, actually a church yeah. that you can go to and do an ayahuasca ceremony. I thought that was interesting. You just I... kind of join their church for the day. <laughs> yeah. Kind of... yeah. Uh, it was like, uh, the looking at that, there's a bunch of different places. The reason why it's allowed is because of the 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 legal rule of it's a religious practice and and going through. It. And so I've, I've I have friends that are part of those groups, but I've definitely been on the I've you know gone to a place to go do it. And whenever anybody's ready, the the thing is is that's a you know it's a it's a brute force way to get there, right? Well, this is more of a a, a soft, nurturing, gentle feedback. Uh, and using things like light and simulations, things that'd be more socially acceptable um, to get you along. But again, it's like whatever gets you along the paths to be able to understand that. Because I truly do believe that the quality of your life is your ability to shift the states that you're in. And then if you can control and if you can be aware of the current state that you're in and move to one of, of choosing, whether that's an alpha or a gamma or whatnot, then you really feel much more empowered as an individual versus feeling like a victim because you are in this disempowering, uh, parasympathetic uh, kind of state where you, every, the world's against you and all things are scarcity and everything's a danger and a threat. So like understanding how to control that and shift that with whatever means we have available is I think a, a wonderful gift to give people. Um, yeah. I think people are finding that out too. In yeah. science, they call it psychoimmunology, where we can measure that with HRV, right? The optimistic person has the greater op HRV score. A pessimistic person usually tanks because they're they're fixed. You know, they yep. they they look at every opportunity as a problem <laughs> instead of you know the the optimist looks at every problem as an opportunity, right? I yep. mean, that's that's kind of the uh, self-help gurus mantra you know when they're up there speaking so yeah and it's one thing to it is one thing to to say it and logically understand it it's another thing to have it ingrained in your limbic system and your body and your soul and actually believe it and take action on it yeah right? because like yeah. you can see someone there that's just like struggling like everything's an opportunity and they're just like shivering <laughs> right. you're like i hear what you're saying but every other signal you're giving me is is the opposite direction so you know it, it, this is great that things like this exist i Question for you, when you're talking about there's these deeper levels of like theta and gamma, um, I know that there's the the whole 40 years of Zen thing that they said, oh, this is where you get to after 40 years of Zen on a mountaintop. Is that is this the areas of brainwave spots in the brain that you're talking to? Is that something similar or is it different? Well, I'm not sure how they evaluate that. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. They say 40 years of Zen, but mm -hmm. the reality is that I've never seen a neurofeedback process that got permanent brainwave change. And um, because it, it's like going to the gym, when you're there exercising, you build muscle. When you leave, if you don't keep building muscle, you know, I tell people it's like brushing your teeth. If you want to have clean teeth, you keep brushing them. So in this case, mm. when, when we're using light, sound and vibration, it's, it's affordable so people can keep using it. You know, I'm not saying it's going to be permanent. You know, one thing about the nervous system, there's no permanent nervous system. Mm. And even if you get 40 years of Zen, um, 
which I don't know how they're evaluating. That's a marketing term. Yeah, that's totally. Not a, that's not that's not a reality. I think it's pretty yeah. cute, but yeah. it's not reality. <laughs> the uh, you know the the reality is that if they were forty years of Zen, they would not occupy space and time again. They would they would go back into the world and go. This shit ain't working. You know, <laughs> they, they would realize that this is this game. They wouldn't play this game anymore. Yeah. You know, look at what happens. And, you know, these gurus drop out because they're going, this is crazy. Why would I keep doing this? So at the end of my life, I give away all my toys and I didn't win anything. Mm. You know, it's like we, we want peace of mind daily. You know, we, people will pay big money to have an outcome, of course. So but the reality is that they want something they can have daily. You know, like yeah. that's why we with with BrainTap, we tell people, wake up in the morning, do some digital coffee. I mean, I'm not against coffee. I like coffee myself, you know, but wake up your brain, get your electrical system online. We're electrical. We're actually light beings. This is one thing, Dylan, that most people don't understand is we communicate through bio photons, which means light. Every mm. cell of our body, every 40 seconds, our body is changing. So when you went on those journeys, mm -hmm. you actually you, you yourself occupy this body, but you're not this body, mm -hmm. right? So you were, you, you got to disassociate from the physical confines of this world. Well, there are people that can do that just by meditation. Like the, the story of, you know, when, um, they went, when the Beatles went over to India and then their guru took that handful of acid and 20 minutes later said, you really want to get high? You know, it's like, <laughs> what do you mean? They couldn't understand it. Cause he, he basically, muted or whatever he he made it inert it wasn't the acid didn't affect him the same way because he occupies a different space you know and i think that we have the most powerful computer on earth you know and, and it's more than our physical our physical is more the that's how we interpret it but there's our electrical system who when we die they say we lose three quarters of a, a pound so mm -hmm. what is that three quarters of a pound that's who we are Mm. You know, we've never seen that, you know, but some people have been able to experience that kind of a static state where they are, they're in touch with the universe. Because that's when you know all things, you know, some people get these brief glimpses of reality and then they get snapped back into this physical world and, oh, what the hell are we doing here? You know, there, there's so much more going on. Yeah. And there's always uh, consistent cases of whenever people get to those levels, you, you the stories become, you know, <clears throat> trite to hear them, but for the person profound. And they usually have things where they come across and they're like, I realize that I am one with everything. All things are unity and everything is love. Right. And you get that. And like, but like, again, it's like one thing to say it, it's another thing to like experience it to a level right. that is, that will shift what you do on a daily basis. Right. And I know that one of the things that I did that was, it, it allowed me to shift my perspective. And then when I came back and I looked back at like, Oh, here's, here's all my old bullshit. What do I want to, what do I want to get back into? I go, Nope, no, thank you. And I made some fundamental life changes because of that. And that's, what, I'm saying. that's what, that's what happens when you get that glimpse. And it also happens when people go through near death experiences. You know, I've, I've known so many people over the years be, with my practice that have come to me, they go, I'm going crazy. I don't, this isn't, I shouldn't be here or whatever, you know, because they, they saw whatever was real. Yeah. And this isn't real to them anymore. You know, it's so <laughs> real, real, real and real, but that's, I mean, that's what part of the things that the people are, are paying for. Like people want this like on demand enlightenment, right. But they also want to be able to function in society and be a success. You know, they want the enlightenment, but they want the success as well. And the, you know, and, and, and if you go to one on one area, you, you become off balance. Like I, I truly believe that we're, we're the, 
we're not just like one thing that does what we we seek a balance of where we you know we want this homeostasis of different elements working together the thing is is we're in a constant rate of adaption right we're constantly right. adapting or to whatever situation whether we're stressed or not and so i it's really interesting to try to strike these balances are there ways that you can tell that people are in certain alignments or out of alignments or do you have like some sort of map for yourself to be like okay this is bob bob is here bob wants to get over to here and these are this is what he this is the kind of the mindset and this is the 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 protocols we need to put him through to get into where he wants to go or how do you how well, does that work? we have a device that we can measure it takes about five minutes and mm -hmm. we can get nine different parameters of the nervous system or the electrical system. And it can tell us, we know if the meridians are open, if the spine is flowing, they say the spine is the keyboard of the brain. If there's no restrictions and this is all through resistance, you know, when we have resistance or stress in our mm -hmm. body, it's not functioning right. Yeah. And we also know that a, a brain Ann Weiss actually did all, most of the research on this. She wrote a book called the master brainwave and she traveled around the world uh, looking at gurus, masters of industry, sports performers, and all the top performers had one characteristic in their brain the same. They had about 45% of their brain in beta when they were awake, about 30% in alpha, 20% in theta, and then the rest was just barely there. They didn't know about gamma then. But now we know about gamma, and we're, we're finding that when you get into that gamma state, that's when you start getting a glimpse into mm -hmm. those other realities, that flow state. Like when, when people think about, I just use basketball as an example, basketball is high level physics. You know, they're, you don't, they don't realize it while they're dribbling the ball and running around and throwing the ball up, but it's, I mean, they're, they're balancing in space and time and they're doing all these things, but our brain just does it yeah. because we've, we've layered on top all those lessons. So yeah. somebody who's in that, that flow state, what we know is that if somebody is, uh, if the brain is out of sync, like, um, unfortunately, as we get um, older, I like to say better looking and more intelligent with age because I agree. Mm -hmm. the, uh, our brain gets dysregulated because mm -hmm. of stress. Mm -hmm. So the more we allow, and you said it exactly right, if you're not able to shift gears out of stress and into a neutral or a thriving brain state, you're going to you're going to have diminishing returns on your life it's going to it's going to cost you in ways that you don't want you know that's yeah. that's why they, they, there was a really good book out in the in this i think it was in the 80s or early 90s it was you don't have the luxury of a negative thought because they talked about how the body responds to that you know mm -hmm. the body basically when buddha said he who angers you conquers you now medical science has proven that to be true the more anger, the more fear, the more anxiety, the, all these negative emotions have to have a corresponding chemical reaction in the body. And what happens to us happens through us or what happens through us happens to us, however you want to think about that. So as we think about these thoughts, and that's the same thing I tell people why, regardless of your religion, when, when Jesus said, love your enemy, basically you're projecting love through your body. So you're going to have all that love and gratitude and acceptance and your body's going to benefit from that. And it's going to thrive in those environments. And mm -hmm. I, I just think that so many people leave it up to the news, let's say, or, or their family or their, what we all like to say, brothers, sisters, teachers, and preachers, you know, these are all people that tell us what to think and how to think. And we've, we've lost the capacity for rational thinking in one way. But when we get into these altered states, we start realizing, wow, I'm more than I was told about. I mm. There's more potential here. You know, like even 
is something as simple as remote viewing. When you think about people who die in the operating table and come back and they say, I watched the operation, I know what happened. And, you know, I know my brother-in-law is a surgeon. So, I mean, they have these things happen all the time. And it's like, they just blow it off. They go, he's just imagining. But, but how could he imagine exactly what was going on? So yeah. our consciousness is much different than what we've been told. And I think we're, we're now at a jumping off point because in the 80s, when I first learned about this, like I said, my dad, we used to, he used to run a, a program called ESP Forum in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And we brought out some pretty wild people, you know, that had skills that, you know, you, like one guy, Gil Gilly, he mm -hmm. could literally, you think a thought, he could tell you what you're thinking in your mind. And I had so many people that didn't believe us. He'd come on over and meet Gilly, just think something. And he could, and he was brought up with Ernest, Ernest Holmes, who started uh -huh. the mind uh, religion. Mm -hmm. And he was born that way. He didn't, he didn't go to a training. He just, that's the way he was born. What do you think that is? Like that's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, thing. Cause like there's, there's, there's two pieces of me, you know, one piece of me has experienced the deep side of plant medicine and felt connected to the cosmos. And there's that side of me. And there's the other part of like knowing that some people are just really good at like mindsets and like reading people. And I don't want to be tricked. And I have both sides of those pieces that's like, and I'm trying to understand, is that just a, something that like the, like the plant medicine side of things that they're dialing into something or are they just really good at reading people? Like, what do you, what is that thing that you're talking about? Well, yeah, I, in my mind, I think there's an infinite number of potentials from any moment in time. So yeah. to get like a quote, psychic reading is just going to give you direction because you have choice. Yeah. You have there's an infinite number of them. Whatever you choose to do was already predisposed because it's infinite. There's mm -hmm. no one way for you to go. You choose your direction. And, you know, in the multi-world theory, you know, you're doing it at all those others too. So there's, there's multiple Patrick's out there doing this interview. You're asking different questions and, you know, we're going through all the, and there's others where I'm sitting back. I forgot about the podcast altogether. And, and you know, you know, these are different, yeah. different world theories. And I, I think that if we, I always tell people because one of the things that uh, that I never really agreed with is that we create our reality. Mm -hmm. Reality is already created in an infinite number of ways by a power far greater than our conscious minds, but we get to perceive the reality that we want. It's mm -hmm. kind of like when you, when you buy a new car and you didn't think anybody else had that car, but as soon as you drive it off the lot, you start seeing them everywhere yeah. because now it's in your prevailing awareness and it becomes in the foreground of your brain. They were all there before. You know, we take in 2,000 pieces of information through our eyes every second. Yeah. Our brain is really a filtering system more than it is, uh, you know, it doesn't, it documents everything, but it only, it what's important to us, it remembers. Yeah. Not everything, just what's important to us. 100%. It's the, it's one of those things that you have this weird fallacy in, in your mind. Things happen that these uncommon commonalities that you are at top of your mind, you'll pick those things out, whatever those things might be that the world's against me or the world's for me. Yep. It's just, but you're, but you are perceiving and making your own reality because you're, you know, you're only paying attention to these three things or whatever it might be X amount of things that you have in your head. And then I could see that. And, and that really does shape your reality because it doesn't necessarily matter what happens. It just matters like what you do to it. Like this is that fantastic Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search yep. for Meaning, which is all about that. Like, it's not what happens. It's, it's how we respond to it. And the, the hard part is, 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 is consciously decoupling from that just innate reaction because those stories seem like the hard coded ground truth of our life. And then we have to find a way to be able to, Oh, wait, wait, no, that's a, that's a story. 
let me just let me just pause on that and be like, does that story serve me? And but but actively being able to be aware of that, see it, dissect it, and then choose another path. It, you know, it's like it's like how do I be healthy? Diet and fitness, fitness, just do it every day. You know, ne never have sugar ever again. Super easy statement. Super easy <laughs> statement. The challenge is actually going through and and completing it. So. Um, I, I, even, I in, even in my book, my yeah. first book that I wrote, I have a chapter, how I was blessed to be the son of an alcoholic, because I believe whatever your greatest challenges are, that's how you get your superpowers. Yeah. You know, every, every hero, like even your podcast here, everybody has, um, there, when my daughter was in school, she yeah. was in drama and they said, there's only 138 different scripts. Everybody, you could fit everybody into those scripts. We all have, like you're saying, story. You yeah. and I said, man, I'd like to have those 138 because I bet I could fit everybody into those. But yeah. you know, if you listen to the stories, you know, people like some people. Oh, poor me! My dad was an alcoholic. I should be an alcoholic. I'm not saying that some people don't have a hard time with that. I'm just saying I was blessed because my dad got help. So I'm not the guy sitting on the bar stool. You know, yeah. he. Not that I, I, I'll have an occasional drink and it doesn't bother me because I don't believe in in quote alcoholics i believe people can either drink or can't drink you know in their body has a reaction to it and if your body has a reaction to it you shouldn't do it like sugar yeah. you know some people can't have sugar their body's off to the races and and but some people want to they want to do things that are harmful to their body mm -hmm. and but want the benefit of something you know it's like you got to find another way to do it yeah and that's the challenge is, is, well, there's a couple things. One, you're talking about like learning the lessons from your parents, right? Cause you want to break those chains, right? Like, like, you know, like I had like a, like a father in law, like a, a grandfather that was an alcoholic that was abusive. So my father was never that way. And he learned that lesson and passed another lesson to me. Right. And then I learned another lesson from him and you carry those things on. Cause you do look at that and you're like, what do I like? And what do I not like? I always look at it kind of like operating systems. Like, mm -hmm. like they're like an older, like, you know, windows 99 or windows 2000 <laughs> and, and, and they try to pass along the good, like this is how it works, but they also accidentally try to pass along viruses, like, like the, the, the alcoholism or whatever those things are. And you kind of have to be, you have to like block yourself and like, no, no, thank you. I'm going to, no, I'm going to, I'm going to skip that one. You go on with what you're going to do. Cause you know, that's what we're, we're slowly evolving and we're getting it from our parents, but then we're also actively working on it ourselves. And those, what I call for hero hero terminology crutches turn into capes if yes. you if you can if you can find the power within on that so i i absolutely agree with you on that so do you feel like the the genesis of you understanding the technology and then seeing what your father was doing to understand himself and and how that how that interplay worked together gave you the superpowers to 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 be able to go out is that is that the could you describe to me like the because of that the game you now play um, being inspired on that journey. Right. I think that the, you can always take what I would call the easy path. Yeah. That's just, just, you know, it's kind of like taking the, the blue pill or whatever, you know, and you can pretend you don't know anything. And that's what most people do. And Deepak Chopra said it best. He said, 97% of what's going to happen to you tomorrow, you know about today. So what are you pretending not to know? So if you wake up every morning, we all have this, like talking about computers, you know, we, yeah. we all have this boot up, right? When we're waking up in the morning, we boot up yeah. just like those old computers. We used to be able to see it. Now we don't. It's so fast. But our parents gave us that first operating system. Mm -hmm. and we, we got a chance at about seven or eight years old to start rejecting it or accepting it. 
And I remember for me, my mom, when she passed away, she gave us a baby book where she kept records of all the weird things we did as children in the book. And one of the things that she gave me, there was a note in there and it said, you can't control me with your voice. And she said, when Patrick handed this to his father at five years old, he was scared to death. So my dad was yelling at me and I wrote a note, said, you can't control me with your voice. And I just handed it to him and walked away. So in, in, <laughs> in, and I always wondered, my dad never got mad at me. Like all my brothers and sisters are like, what is going on? Why doesn't dad ever yell at you or get mad at you? And my mom said, from that day, I just told him, I said, yelling at me is not going to work. That's a very baller gangster move to do at five years old. To be like, your voice doesn't have power of me. Like that's, that's powerful. Especially like, like the going to your father for saying that was that. So from there, do you feel like that's a, that's a true resonant message that carries throughout your life? Like part of like, like, like people don't have power over you with their voice. Yeah. I don't think I don't let other people control how I feel or, or what I do. I mean, I was, I was one of those people. I, in fact, the guys I went to school with in high school, they can't believe I speak for a living because I never said two words to anybody. You know, I was more of a, That's I was awesome. a really good athlete, but I just, yeah. I was an action person, not a talker, you know? And, and when I heard talkers, it just turned me off. You know, people that talk the big game, I'd rather do the big game than, than talk. And in fact, I perform better under pressure than I would if it, there was no pressure. And I think that in, when I went to college, of course, I, it was a little bit different. Of course, you're around people that are just as good as you. There's, you know, there's the, the margin of error is much greater, but still I was like, you know, and then when I got out, I, I had to, in order to promote my business, I had to speak, you know, because yeah. that's what you have to do. So I had to, I had to learn some skills. I had to go out and get some training. And I think most people aren't willing to do something really bad to be really good. You've got to be willing to make a lot of mistakes. And I thought to myself, I screw up all the time. I mean, I'm I'm really good at screwing up. So, but I'm really also really good at forgetting all those screw ups when I do it right. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what most people don't do. Mm. Do you think the the reps that you got from like college and an athlete and learning to push your own body and things like that? Do you think that was there's were there lessons from that that you took and brought into into the world of entrepreneurship and and kind of carving your own path this way? Is that something? Yes, I I always, I always look at every job that any I can do anything that I set my mind to, but I might not be able to do it all today. And mm. I think so many people they go into business and they think I'm going to be a success overnight today. Mm. Well, I tell people people look at me and they go, "Well, you're you're so lucky." You're right. I said, 30 years to be an overnight success." You know, it's it's like <laughs> that's, they don't they didn't see that you know how I had to talk my wife into it's all right. We're going to yeah. get through this. You know, yeah. it's, it's like uh, where. I, I have people that think I never get upset. I do get upset, but it's like, why would I show that to everybody? What yeah. is that? How is that going to serve anybody? You know, yeah. I'll do it in a way that's that's supportive. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that like in sports, you've got to exercise. If I'm not doing well at something, I'm going to go train and get really good at it. Just mm -hmm. as an example, when I, um, I started playing pool just as a, you know, at, in college and I was terrible at it. So as soon as I got out of college, I bought a pool table and, and even during college, actually my last year, I had seven guys living in a house. We bought a pool table. By the end of that year, I was really good. I could go out and make money playing pool, you know, in the, um, and so I'm just one of those guys, if I do something really bad, I'm going to go learn how to do it as well as I can. I can't, if I played, ba I didn't play basketball, but if I did, I could never be Michael Jordan. Right. But yeah. I could be the best version of Patrick. That's yeah. what I, that's what I want to be. And, and I'm, I'm one that, 
you know, that realizes that you're not going to be all things all the time. You got to find out what you, what brings you pleasure in in where you want to have your challenges. Because if you don't have challenges in your life, you're not going to be very happy either. You know, yeah. so many people go, "I don't want any stress." Well, you don't want to grow. You don't want to learn. You don't yeah. want to develop. You know that stress. Even your ayahuasca experiences were yeah. stressful to the body. That's uh -huh. why you, they give you a pillow and a blanket and a bucket. You know, yeah. so, so you know, your mind gets to go do what it wants to do, but your body's yeah. still back there doing its thing. Yeah, you use use all of those things. All those tools are a necessity for that for that for that journey. Uh, and I I do truly believe um, one of the things you're talking about here is I think it's like a, a Lombardi quote is that there's no greater feeling for a warrior to lay exhausted on the battlefield knowing that they gave it their all. You know, being able to just put it all out there and that feeling of growth because in the moment you're like this sucks, this is terrible, I want this to be over. But then afterwards, like I'm so glad I did that. There's like this this faith that you get in your this belief that you get in this 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 just overall evolution that's that we we seek that progress. It's we're weird because we want the progress, we want the transformation, we want the hero's journey, and we want to be incredibly comfortable and do familiar things as much as possible and limit uncertainty as much as possible. It's a weird it's a weird dynamic that we've got going on for those those two pieces of the the paradigm. Um, for you, like, let me ask you a question then. What are a couple of things that you, you you kind of laid into some of these things that people need to do that they that they that they struggle with? Let's say specifically around the uh, brain health, neuroscience, things like that. What are the typical what I would call threshold guardians or things that usually stop people um, with mindset and and the neuroscience that, that, to get to where they want to go? What are those roadblocks that they face? I think the number one thing, and we've measured people's brains. You probably heard the expression: "The masses are asleep," uh -huh. right? Well, we proved it. We've we've scanned over 30,000 brains and most of them are 70% in Delta while they're awake. That means that the brain is either totally inflamed, has TBIs, or they just don't want to be here. You know, so the and so the best thing you can do for your brain, even for sleeping at night, is to start your morning off with a what we do brain tap. But if whatever your meditation practice is, energize your body. And that's why, like even Parahansi Gananda has energizing exercises. You know, mm. yoga was designed to get you ready to meditate, mm. not just to do yoga. And some people skip the yoga nitra, right? They skip the meditation part, but that's what you're doing it all for. So you can bring all this energy, which could be called the kundalini as part of it, but all that energy rushing up through your spine into your brain, activating your pineal pituitary region and really resetting your, your gut through that way because you have a you have brain biome now they know just like mm -hmm. your biome and you have to get that ready and when we sleep we should be detoxifying but if so at night when you're going in bed most people go to sleep all wrong and what i mean by that is they think they're supposed to put their eye, close their eyes and go to sleep that's probably the worst way you can sleep and uh, we just did an experiment with bio with biostrap with the company mm -hmm. yeah we gave them all brain taps they gave us all biostraps and we were like our our staff they're using the brain tap blowing out the number and and i said well do some exercises before you go to sleep not only just you could do a meditation but when you're there practice doing that four eight breathing that's probably the easiest way for people and do a body scan get the all the energy from the day your your cells have memories and they store all that information like the body's like the hard drive but we can clear that cache just like you would with the computer. We need to clear out that cache. And if you do that through breathing right before you go to sleep, I still get energy. I can, I can make energy rush through my body at any time. I just lay there and I'm just 
flushing my body out. And then once I realize my body's in a good state to go to sleep, which usually takes between 10 and 15 minutes, now I'm going to sleep deeper and I'm going to, I'm going to get a hundred percent or 97 every night, whether I sleep six hours, four hours, three hours, it doesn't matter because we really only need one hour of deep sleep and two hours of rim and our body will do what's in our studies that's what we've shown so the the main thing is those are two times and then the third time is every day at two o'clock around the world wherever you're at your body's going to drop to two degrees in temperature that's because we are biologically tuned to the light of our sun and that sun tells our body what to do and that's when our biorhythms get a reset so these bodies were designed for the serengeti not for New York or San Francisco or LA, you know, these were, we're supposed to be taking a nap next to that zebra that made it, you know, where their buddy got was dinner. They're now sleeping next to you and we're resting. But what, what do most Americans do? We go get coffee, tea or chocolate. We push through it. And that stress, if we could just relax, what our studies show, you can do a breathing like Wim Hof breathing or something like that to really energize your body or do a meditation or a yoga in the middle of the day, you're going to increase your energy by 80%. We live in an energy economy. So the more energy we can get our body, and that's what you, when we're talking about the highs and lows, it's really how are we running energy through our body? We're, yeah. we're not just, as I said earlier, we're not just absorbing light. We are light. Yeah. So we need to we need to magnify that light and and get our vibratory frequency up to where it needs, and then everything else comes into play. Got it. So when you're saying you're saying two p.m. our temperature drops, or you're saying two a.m. two, 2 p.m. two p.m. our it temperature drops. In, it actually increases in temperature at two a.m. Your mm. temperature goes up. That's why some people get the sweats and they 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 wake oh, up. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Cause I've, I've noticed that like a pattern for myself, like, especially when I go off coffee binges, like, cause I had to do certain dietas and things like that, where I can't have any caffeine and I have to do stuff like this. And so my, my hack is set my time for 20 minutes, go to bed, put my night mask on. And I probably, I'm not going to sleep, but I just go in, out, in, out. And I'm just like trying to think about as nothing for 20 minutes. And I come back in and I'm like, okay, that's all I'm getting. It's time to go into it. And that's been my my hack. So you're saying that so you, that's intuitively you're doing the right thing. I mean, if we'd have measured your energy in your body, uh, well, there's more than air in the, in what you're breathing, right? There's yeah. there's there's the next information for the next moment. We're always being fed information in the form of you know light or sound or vibration. So our body's interpreting that and it's our resistance to that flow that takes our energy away. You know, mm -hmm. there are people that sleep very little and are still very healthy. You know, it, yeah. sleep is necessary and, for most people, you know, a lot of sleep, you know, eight to ten, eight to 10 hours. You know, if I get, if I sleep over seven hours, I get a bad score because I'm just laying there going, what, what's going on here? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how you're just, your, your body's like, it's time to get up. You're like, but I, but I, I feel like I deserve more sleep, you're like, your body's <laughs> right. like, but you don't need it. You're like, but I want right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. I've seen that battle back and forth. I get about seven. Um, I've seen other people, they have to have eight and they want eight in a row. And if eight in a row, you get woken up, then it's a bad day. And you're like, yeah. it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a high, some high standards of, yeah. uh, of, of sleep. Um, so then, okay. So look at these things. The one thing I want to look at this, um, especially in the areas of you're talking about, uh, meditation, brain health for performance. One of the areas that's coming up that I find to be really interesting is, is a new, um, athletic field, a new performance area that's emerging. Um, and I, and I've just started to see them use a little bit of meditations for mind health, but I want to see if you have any, any thoughts 
around uh, esports gamers, uh, uh, people that use video games or virtuality games as a professional sport, and what does mindfulness and meditations and and all the things you're talking about with with BrainTap like? How does that relate to the world of esports? Well, we we've done we're we're actually before COVID we had an EAS team that we were doing a research project with in Denver. Hopefully that'll bit get reengaged. They're still kind of a little crazy there, but as soon as it does, we're going to get in. Also, that Dr. Rosenthal he mm. works with the uh, the Dallas Cowboys EAS team. You know they work out mm. physically. They're like just like the football players. I mean, and they're doing it. What we found is playing those computer games destroys your brain. So what we did is we showed them that, hey, when instead of going and having your break with a Coke and a couple of Kit Kats and, you know, all these things that they do to, to juice up, do a brain tap session. And we saw some incredible, we were going to, also when the brain's like that, it creates almost a PTSD or PSD um, because you, your brain is processing. Like when I'm looking at the computer right now, my brain's processing every pixel. Even though I consciously think I'm seeing this whole image, our brain, it's its kind of like that Rain Man where in the, they dropped the toothpicks and he knew 1,264. You know, our brain is doing that. We just filter that out because we don't mm -hmm. need to know it. So all that's going on. And then when, when we're playing those games, whether it be football or single shooter games, you know, that's really intense. That's even more intense than the physical reality on the yeah. brain. Because you could take somebody who plays a football game and they their brain looks nothing like that gamer who played the same game but on a computer. Mm. So then in terms of it, it, it's got the same one. It even has more of an effect because you're taking in more lights, more dynamic sounds, It's it's, it's and your brain's just as engaged. So it's got um, as not if more wear and tear on the brain. And so... Uh, brain taps or other types of mental resets will actually increase the, the performance quality of like of their output because again it's a, it's a it's a it's a competitive sport. Right. So. You can take a, you can we could we were showing that a 20 minute reboot gives you 80% of the energy you had in the morning and they were crashing to almost 10% of their energy stores. Some of wow. them some of them were going so long that they're basically they were passing out in the chair, you know, while they were doing it. I see. <laughs> I've seen it. Have you had any experience? Because the, the new evolution of that, and this is just my world, is 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 virtual reality esports. Have you seen? Have you come across any of that stuff? Because it's it's even more so because your entire field of vision is now taken over, and everywhere you look, and you're now completely gone into that reality. So I don't know if you have any thoughts around uh, the impact of virtual reality esports as well. Oh yeah, I think well, the brain it is it is real, and it it's it's more real than this reality because mm. there's no escape. If you're playing a football game, you can go to the bench and turn your head and the back game's going over there. This you can't do, right? Mm. You're, it's in your face. And, and I think that part of it is just really refocusing on what's meaningful. I think it's in short burst, I think it's good for the brain. But when you go past that, you know, when you go part, just like working out your body, and, and that's what I tell people is we're in the area of the brain now. 2020 will be like, body fitness, you know, in the 70s and 80s, when Arnold came over here and did these movies, and everybody started physically working out. Now the brain is finally getting its due. And what will happen is, we're gonna, we're gonna have to master this virtual reality, because it's not going away. It's awesome. Yeah. And what we're talking about doing is having people visualize like a game, like, let's say, because we have mirror neurons. That's how mm -hmm. we learn as kids. So if we could picture a professional, let's say tennis player, doing the backhand that we want to do, we vision, we watch them do it, then it, it fades into 
like the strobing lights like we use, it puts them into the thing about alpha and theta, it creates hypernesia or super memory yeah. states. So now the brain can remember what they just saw, those muscle memories. It's not quite like downloading like the matrix, but it's it's as close as we're gonna get until you know Elon Musk has his way. And we, we just, we yep. just, it, we it's, just it's coming. You know, it, it's one of those ones that's like, I don't know if I'll sign up for it unless I can download a language in like eight seconds. I might, I might have to sign up for that, for that, uh, that, uh, whole new level of mankind. You would, you would love our science officer. He would, yeah. he speaks six languages. Oh, wow. He went with me to India and the third week he's speaking Hindi. And I said, <laughs> Francisco, when did you learn Hindi? He said, while we were here. Wow. Because, because if you don't, if you don't fight it. So he, if you learn two languages before you're seven, your language circuit doesn't shut down. And we learn languages by immersion, yeah, not by books and not by, uh, I mean, you can learn them the way they're doing it. But yeah. if you could go over, like if you went to immersion camp and went over there and you had that brain circuit still going, yeah. you could be like Francisco and learn a language in two weeks. <laughs> what, what's interesting is that, so one thing I've, I've came across is, is it, it, there's different minds, right? And we have, and I'm, I'm going to do the uh, bro science layman version. If you could translate this, this would be fantastic. <laughs> um, when you're trying to learn something, a new skill, and there's a professional giving you advice or guidance, or you're trying to learn something, you have two minds. You have the flow mind, and then you have the critical mind. And the thing is, is that the critical mind is trying to un un understand what's really going on. But then when it gets so critical on the flow mind, it shuts down and there, you actually don't absorb any of the learnings. It's like trying to force yourself to remember something versus being in the flow mind and absorbing all the immersions of what that thing is. Being aware and going through it is that flow mind that is the true learner. And But there's that really hypercritical self that wants to learn, but then maybe hates each, itself or begrudges itself. But it's all that critical negative energy stuff that comes in that messes with that flow mind. And from what I've seen is the people that can just let go of that, go in and immerse themselves and just be aware of what they're doing. They will adapt to what it, learning code, learning sports, learning any of these new things. They don't get that sense of overwhelmed and, and self-judgment. What is that? Like, they don't mind me. Well, yeah. I think I don't need to translate. That was exactly right. I mean, I wouldn't say it. I would say it like that if I knew your language. So the, in, the, <laughs> in the, in the process, when we did Silva, Every yeah. person, 100%, I never saw anybody fail. They were medical clairvoyance during the seminar. We There's an exercise you do where you put a screen up, a silver screen. The person across from you thinks of a person, doesn't tell you who it is, but they have, an, they have a problem. They have to have a physical problem, and they always guess right. Interesting. They so are they drawing? The, are they drawing up this? Like, so there's a silver this, screen in their mind's eye. They they have a screen, a silver screen, and that person thinks of the person. So as a medical clairvoyant, there are people that can do this. They can. It's kind of like the most sophisticated diagnostic machine. They go into the body and tell you what's wrong with them. So yeah. in Silva, they taught you this, and it always worked. But then the next day, when they tried to do it outside of the seminar, only about forty percent could do it. Set and setting. That's so interesting. We're weirdly connected to everything. Like, like we we have mirror neurons. We are connected to each other in some way. We feel each other. You, we we're connected. and We're sharing data. But then also that set and setting is a really interesting thing that we're like we get we get kind of nestled in like 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 in a house set and setting or the other environments. It's weird. We get this weird connection thing that allows us to do more in certain environments and makes us different. 
than if we did in a completely different set and setting. We are like, well, well like I was saying earlier, our, yeah. our genetic code literally yeah. changes every 40 seconds based on our environment, the foods we eat, the conversations we're having with others and ourselves. All of those are changing all the time. When you say that, are you talking about your epigenetics? Your, your yeah. switches are turning yeah. on and off. And so technically your DNA is changing. Okay. I see yeah. what you're, I see what you're saying there. I, your, I, it's done through light. It's done through biophotons. That 88, that 99% that they couldn't map. It's yeah. because it was always moving. It's junk DNA. It's nothing <laughs> yeah, but junk. junk DNA. We don't need that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's just, Could you imagine <laughs> you're, you're getting tested to graduate and you answer one question out of a hundred. I just did the test. No, that's not even close. But, <laughs> you know, because we're infinite. We're, yeah. we're infinite beings with potential that we haven't even tapped into. I mean, when we're, we're seeing these movies on television with people with these special gifts and encounters. I mean, when I, my, my grandson even playing the computer, I think he was, and he likes playing some games and he's like, blows me away. Cause he goes, grandpa, I, I mean, I can't do that. I wasn't born with a, there was no computers when I was growing up. You know, I, I got to see the computers come out and there were no screens. We got yeah. to, you know, the, the then screens came out. Wow. Life's never going to get any more advanced than this. And then I go back and watch Star Trek. <laughs> you know, I, I start laughing. Dude, I 100 percent agree. With you. I mean, I remember going over to my friend's house because he had the Atari and it was like black and white <laughs> and like it was the coolest thing ever. And oh, my God, there's like but we just we just we get better. That's one thing we do. Like there's, there's a couple things that we do. That's a superpower. Like one is our ability to collaborate through space and time using technology. That's one of our superpowers. Two is our ability to, to evolve ourselves. Like we are this like self evolution group evolution things that just get better over time because we're all like, like hands washing hands, getting better through time and space. It's a very uh, interesting thing to see as we spin down this. Where do you think where do, like for you, especially like with, with brain tap and the evolution, where do you see this going for you? Where's, what's the evolutionary steps of, of, of your company and the integration with all this technology coming up? Do you have a, do you have like a, uh, an idea or like a Holy grail concept for that? Well, our mission is to better a billion brains. And I think the reason for that is there's something called the morphogenetic field that they have been able to weigh and measure. It's not a, it's not a metaphysical concept anymore. When you improve Dylan, you improve the world. Mm. We know that. And so if, if we can all be at that same frequency right now, there's, you know, one person in light, you know, the expression is how many to lighten this room I'm in. It could be huh. as dark as it wants. I turn on that light. It's light. So we need to wake up people. And I think we're going to live in a whole different universe. Yeah. And I think light, and the reason I chose light, sound, and vibration is we can't go into all of it here because we only have a few minutes, but yeah. that's the building blocks of creation. I love so it. So we're going to, we're going to use, we're going to use that. We're not what we think we are. We're far greater. Yeah. That's so powerful. Like, so that's a morphophotogenic field. Morphogen morphogenetic. Yeah. Yeah. Morphogenetic field. Uh, I totally, it's so fun that, uh, uh, that this, I totally resonate with this thing. So one of the things that like I do primarily is I build transformational VR experiences. I build experiences that are both entertaining and not so transformative. I do it for esports games. I do it for organizations. I do it for nonprofits and do things. I literally just ran a whole event teaching about that stuff. And we talked about doing the, the billion worlds project where building worlds of transformation and helping people awesome. get better. It's the same, it's the same thing, but like using again, my my area is virtual reality and and then using psychology and those things to integrate those things together to 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 do that. I love the mission because I do think what you're talking about here is like civilization is a race between utopia and disaster. And if we can all kind of push in that direction 
and the, the direction of utopia, we can avoid the disaster. But in order to do that, we have to heal ourselves. We have to we have to get we have to get past our own our own bullshit stopping us and causing the pain and the fear and the anxiety and the doubt and all that stuff. And and the, the way to do that is to go into the brain and be like, okay, where am I at and where do I want to go? And if we could get a billion people, a billion brains to do that, we could all collectively shift into that direction. So I love I love that mission that you have um, with that. What is your dragon? What is the thing that you don't know if you can beat and you and, and it might eat you whole while you're on this mission? What is that for you? Well, I think the main thing is that there's too much to do and not enough time. I was I was actually born. I did a I did a one of those rebirthing classes, you know, where you go back in time. I was actually I went oh, back yeah. to my mom. I said I I thought I was born in a cab. And she goes, you were in front of the hospital. She said, you were born early and you've been in a hurry ever since. And I remember, <laughs> you know, so I think that's, and I always think there's never enough time. Yeah. You know, and it's not just a Jim Croce song. You know, so it just seems that way. You know? That's beautiful. Yeah, no, you're right. That's, that's, but that's the greatest gift. The greatest gift is to, to the, the the enjoyment of the the time that we have and, and the feeling that we get that we've used our time well, you know, whether that's with our loved ones or or to help other people. So I I, I think that's beautiful. Is um is there anything else? And by the way, it's been wonderful talking with you. I've really enjoyed uh, all the things you you you're sharing and uh, and thank you for being here. Um, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about about what you do? Um, before you tell them how they can find you and get a hold of you and find out more about what you do. I think the just. Suspend your disbelief long enough to have an experience. And I think you you mirrored the same thing, Dylan. You have to have an experience. Talks mm -hmm. cheap, action puts points on the board. You know, we, we've got to get people in action. Yeah, that's awesome. You're totally right. It's it's one thing that it's one thing to to think it. It's another thing to say it. It's a whole other thing to do it and even farther to live it. Right. And those are like layers you go down that gets deeper and deeper. So I yes, hundred percent. Um Finally, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find out about you and your 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 audio books being translated in twelve different languages? Like, how do we how do we find out about this? Well, the easiest way is for ninety nine cents, they can go to braintap.pro, and they're going to get a copy of my book in fifteen days on our app, and they'll get a lot of information. If they want to go to social media, just put hashtag dr patrick porter and they'll see or hashtag brain tap even better because we have a lot of sports you know athletes and uh professional athletes and things like that using it and they post um and for those that want there's some victoria secret models out there using brain tap that post too <laughs> so motivating yeah i know it's yeah. awesome no congratulations that's beautiful yeah. so braintap.pro for 99 cents you too yeah. can find out uh this, this the secrets of the brain no it's awesome man i really really appreciate this um uh, dr porter uh thank you so much for the time and all the work that you do this has been an absolute pleasure and uh yeah and uh that's that's all we have so thank you so much and i will see you in another reality all right thank you dylan have a beautiful day take you care too. bye bye Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.